0: Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight figure Amazon and e commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e commerce podcast, The E commerce Leader, co hosted by myself, Michael Veazey, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unami's highest rated e commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favourite podcast app and subscribe today. Hey folks, welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast and today we're talking with Dave Story from Elite FBA Exits. As the name implies, Dave is focused on helping sellers prepare to exit their business, but unlike everybody else in the space, he's not a broker and not a buyer of businesses, He is a... Amazon seller who's built and sold his own seven figure Amazon business and is now in the business of helping other people to really maximize the value of their business or make it sellable when it was previously previously pretty much unsellable. And I think the difference is really perspective because Dave does not have that same pressure that he's going to put on people to buy their business as quickly as possible or as a broker to take their percentage of selling it to somebody else. So it's a bit of a unique perspective and I think a very, very valuable one. So do stay tuned even if you have no idea of selling your business in the next while or ever, if you've never considered it, I would urge you to listen to it. If nothing else, as Dave articulated, that the majority of of the cash you ever make from a business will come when you sell it. And that's a sobering thought. It's going to be Dave said, I remember in a previous podcast, around 60% of the money you make, that is the majority of money you will ever make from your business will come when you sell it, not just operating it. And there are various reasons why that's the case, which we, we get into. As ever, stay tuned and do go and check out Dave's training, which we'll mention at the end of the show, how you can find out more, including his 55 point checklist. Dave is nothing if not detail oriented and a process oriented guy. He's an engineer to his fingertips. And that is also one of the missing pieces out there i think we need somebody who's going to build you help you build into your business processes the value that you eventually sell it for and i think that's another perspective that we sorely need out there so enough from me let's get into the interview enjoy it and uh, do check out dave's training at the end as well cheers So what are the other things that, you know, we talked about what's missing from the exit strategy. What, what's the, what are the other things that we're missing there? So are we talking about, for example, the financial side? The risk.
1: Yeah. I guess that's the other one, which is a a view on what other things in my business, which would make it risky for a future buyer to continue generating uh, the same level of sales and profits. So they could be in the supply chain. Uh, They could be, Perhaps in that you're doing too much in the business and you haven't got any processes in the business, systemization in the business. Perhaps that you've got a product portfolio that has a a real strong leader product, like a hero product, and the others are doing hardly any sales at all. Of course, that's a big risk. So when you look at your business through the lens of what are risks to future revenue, that makes a big difference to what you concentrate on for your actual exit strategy. Okay. And can you give us an example? You've, you've come up
0: with some examples of risks. What are the sorts of things that we would want to put into place to reduce these risks? So we mentioned supply chain, lack of processes, and yeah, a product portfolio with one hero product. I particularly see that with, frankly, small businesses that are basically one product and then a bunch of other stuff that doesn't do anything. Yeah. That's quite common with the smaller businesses. So so how do we reduce those? Let's take the supply chain one first. We've already talked about renegotiation, but what are the other supply
1: chain risks we need to sort of reduce yeah, a common one I see with the supply chain is that buyers don't have proper contracts or sales agreements in place, outlining what are the, the service level agreements with you and your supplier. Because that's not in place, then what happens when the quality issues occur? How are you guaranteeing quality within your supplier? I don't just mean doing the end of the line pre-shipment checks. That's not good enough. You should be guaranteeing quality all the way through the process and making sure that they're doing the job they're supposed to be doing, in order to deliver the quality product. And if they have done that, you don't even need a pre-delivery inspection. Not saying don't have one, but it's just just talking in theory. Yeah, so a buyer will look at your supply chain and how well you can control your supply chain. And if they see big risks going forwards, now that's kind of gonna lower your multiplier a bit because that's seen as risk going forward, but something they'll have to work on themselves and by the way again <laughs>
0: this is why i really i'm so banging the drum all the time for people to go and talk to people like yourself or, or at least educate themselves about the business exit here's the thing if you make your business more sellable another way of putting it i always say to my my clients these days look it, it comes down to does somebody want to own this business mm. and if somebody else doesn't want to own it then if you still own it and like i know some people might pass a businesses on their grandchildren i've got three i've had three clients in in the masterminds that multi-generational family business right but I, I always say to them look i mean it, surely it's going to be nicer for you to own or your children to own they're going to be cursing you if you've got a horrible <laughs> business so i think risk is risk you know and, yeah. and people are, get very slack about it when it's your own money at stake but we shouldn't yeah. <laughs> we really shouldn't
1: so you know it's funny just, isn't just, it just imagine you're looking into a business and you're about to buy and you find out that the the, the seller, all their suppliers don't really speak very good English. They're using a, a third party to communicate to them. They don't have any sales contracts in place. How are they guaranteeing quality? Look at all the problems they've had. How have they solved them? You're going to be thinking, wow, do I really want to be buying this business? And if I do, it's going to be for a lower multiplier.
0: Yeah. I mean, in, in essence, we've got a very unattractive business on our hands, whether you intend to keep it for the rest of your life or sell it. And I think people kind of overlook that because they just used to living in pain and i think actually sometimes we, we learn to live with more pain than we need to as amazon sellers so like actually there are solutions you know get on with implementing them tell me about the lack of process you're doing everything in the business and no process. that seems to me incredibly common with people who are otherwise doing pretty well good quality products profitable good sales but it's all in their heads tell, tell me about how how we solve that one
1: Business systemization. So processes are absolutely key to delivering repeatable results, quality results in the business, something as that. And if you don't have them, then you're open to mistakes, so you're gonna be bleeding costs left, right, and centre, and you're gonna have much more problems and you can be running what I call a chaotic business. So all your simple things that you're doing in the business need to be documented into uh, processes, whether they be videos, whether they be documents to follow. So that other people can just pick those things up easily, those documents, that process, and just walk through it step by step and follow exactly what needs to be done in that business. Then, once you have those things, of course, then you've got the opportunity to to give those tasks to other people and spread the the reliance in the business away from you. So you're lowering risk again in the business.
0: So tell me a little bit about that because I've heard from some people that if you're about to sell your business that you don't really want to be adding VAs and staff uh, because yeah. it reduces the profits and thus, of course, the value of the business. On the other hand, it does mean the business is more dependent on a single person, whoever buys it. Or... So what, what are your thoughts about that one? Yeah, so right up, to, you're talking about just before you sell your business. Well, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, this is part of the question, I guess, you is, yeah. is uh, should we add any costs at all if it's working pretty profitably without people running the businesses? I mean, I understand documentation and processes one thing, but do we should we be hiring people to
1: do them or is that actually a bad sign because it re- reduces profit? It comes down to how much money, how much cash you've got available in the business and how, how busy you are, how complex your business is. If you've got things under wraps and you've got a small business, you know, and you can manage it yourself and it's not very complex, then why take someone on? But if you've reached that level of size of business and you've got cash spare in your business and you really need to be working on these strategic things, uh, which are going to add much more value, then, of course, you've got to take on VAs. And it's a balance between the cost of the VAs, which should be very much if you use the, the right type of VA, To what value that you can personally add to your business by doing more valuable things. So it's a, it's a business trade off. Makes sense. It's common sense, I guess. I just thought it's, it's something
0: that's come up in relation to the whole business selling piece. Tell me also about this other problem. I'm digging into these a little bit because I think that these are the some of the things that, that you know, it sounds like you've been encountering with your students and I've certainly encountered them with my clients as well. The, the other piece was having a product portfolio with a hero product and hardly any sales from anything else. So what, what are the
1: solutions to that one? Yeah, well, I've been there with this one. The solution to that one is... It's obviously you need to focus, turn your focus away from this hero product in terms of putting so much energy and focus into it. You know, so I've been there, I used to have arguments with my business partner that went on hours and hours and hours and used to draw all our energy into this 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 one hero product. Yes, it was you're generating all our cash flow, but we realized after a while, hold on, we're not thinking about new products here, we need to be uh, diversifying our product portfolio so that's when we started releasing other products to support the hero product in terms of products that would have a high level of profitability and sales higher than just you know just these other single products that we had at the time, which weren't really doing that great, to be honest. So, in my view, the strategy is to is to bring in products that you can do variations, perhaps, of that product. If you can't do variations, then you're going to need to bring in products along the, the line of your brand to improve your brand. And focusing, again, back to what we we're saying from the start on products that are going to be unique, products which are going to have some unique features and, and looks about them, putting that extra effort in up front instead of just bringing out another me too and trying to do the best keyword strategy and best listing is going to produce much better results for you uh, later on. Excellent. By
0: the way, I must apologise if you can hear me typing away here. I just realized that was coming through. And and if you're wanting to get some show notes, folks, just go to 10kcollective.com, which is where we have the blog, and we'll have links to anything you want to check out from today. Yeah, so I I like what you're saying about this. Yeah, <laughs> arguments with the business partner. I guess it's very easy. You can end up with arguments with your, your consultant or coach or mentor, whatever you call it as yeah. well. Trust me from experience about this, that it's very hard to not let go of success, but stop obsessing with it, isn't it? I mean, what's working is obviously important to keep it working but as you say you, you've got to have the courage to add things of genuine value and risk the fact that they may not be brilliant the first time and as you say variations are the obvious thing like that's the sweet spot isn't it if you can yeah. do a variation on a successful yeah. product and, and build it out that way that makes total sense so zooming back out to the, the question then of you no. Know, people not knowing what to work on in their exit strategy or their overall sort of strategy. Uh, I know you've mentioned financials quite a lot. Obviously, those those matter a great deal, but which financial metrics do you think matter the
1: most? Are we focusing on the wrong things here? Well, the high-level ones that I focus on and the program focuses on SDE, which is the seller's discretionary earnings, which is essentially the trailing 12 months net profit plus the ad backs. And ad backs are... Costs that uh, a buyer wouldn't necessarily have if they took on your business, so you can add those back in. And the other one is cash flow, which it's a thing which is, I think, quite difficult to get a hold of. But if you've got a proper financial cash flow forecast and you're updating it on a weekly basis and and looking ahead. I'm talking about at least a year ahead with the information you've got in hand. you would be able to see where your cash lies and you would be able to see, make what I call scenario planning. So, you be able to say, right, if I release this product with this product, is it better to do that or is it better to release those two three months apart? And you can see this if you've got a proper cash flow analyzer. So, it's SDE and cash flow. So, SDE is the value of the business, and cash flow is what allows you to grow it the most effectively. Perfect. That's really, really helpful. And I would say it'd be nice
0: to have a couple of examples of this ad-backs, which is a word used a lot. And so I guess fundamentally it means you kind of effectively treat it like it's profit, even though it isn't profit, but from the multiple valuation of the business thing, right? So what what sort of uh, costs would
1: come under that, for example? Well, On the ad-backs? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a multitude of costs. But again, like, like I said, it's anything that when the buyer takes on your business – they won't necessarily have that cost so the big Mm -hmm. one is always the owner's salary so if you're taking 50 grand out a year um, paying yourself 50 grand a year that'll get added back to the net profit and then times by the multiplier so that's quite really significant so it's let's say let's we'll we'll give it four times again so 200 grand gets added back on your business you know, this is a massive one that people, yeah. many people don't realize this, the business is worth a lot more than they thought. I've yeah. a lot of people like this, so that's the big one. Others are things like expenses when you go away and traveling. Not that that much is happening these days, but it will again. Office tech costs, hiring an office, hiring equipment. And I guess they're, they're the key ones that I see. The one I've heard about is uh, intellectual property, because obviously if you've done trademark and,
0: or patent work, that's done once, I guess, or at least for a long period, yeah. right? Yeah, so that, that, that makes sense. But yeah. I, I just want to say, by the way, to anyone who's out there thinking like this guy that I spoke to the other day, he said, I just want to make cash as quickly as possible. He- hear us on this. If you, for example, give pay yourself $100,000, well, let's say $50,000 a year for a for, uh, you know, few years and then just stop trading – that's one scenario. right? But if you've got a sellable asset and you paid yourself 50000 a year for the, even the last 12 months, that's worth $200,000 if you get a four times multiplier, which, as you say, is very, very, very doable these days. It's just like it's so easy to miss, isn't it, that the massive difference between building an asset to sell versus simply just yeah. trading and then stopping. I, I think... It's amazing to people how people are otherwise sophisticated business people just miss this if they've got a certain type of business background, like if they've done service-based businesses, which is basically them, however successful they are. And, and uh, yeah, this guy the other day was an extreme case in point. So what what are the main mistakes that people are making with this? I'm, I'm guessing the absence of these things or are they any other sort of big mistakes that people make with the financials that they need to put into their strategic plan?
1: Definitely, the absence of not having—it's just so common. Not not having a financial forecast, but also not having a proper financial system in place. I even talk to sellers that don't have like their their accounts up to date. So when I ask them, you know, what's your SDE? What's you know what's in Trinidad's property? Oh, I'm not sure. I need to I need to get the finances up to date. That's like the the worst case <laughs> scenario, I guess. But just not having this financial view is just—it's yeah. just a real thing that I do see very, very regular, more regular than you 'd actually think
0: <laughs> yeah and and by the way, I know quite a few people who are running probably roughly seven figure businesses, but they can 't tell you exactly what the revenue is, and they can probably tell you the revenue, but they can 't tell you the profits, and we get very operations focused very easily if we don 't we if we 're not careful, and I think the discipline of you know hiring a coach or in being in a program or even you know trying to sell your business is again as we mentioned before the discipline of an external situation that forces you to make your business better even if you never sell it it's got to be safer right if you don't know what your profit is (laughs) it's like driving with no speedometer in your car you could be breaking all sorts of rules who knows you might even for example as i understand it and i'm not a lawyer nor do i play one on the internet folks or or an accountant but my understanding for example under english law and it's probably true in many countries is that you are not legally allowed to pay yourself dividends and if you don't have the profits to cover them and if you don't know what your profits are but you're paying yourself dividends as some people do that's a risky thing right so so the last the the fourth one that you mentioned of this list of you know the four big pitfalls you see business owners falling into Mm -hmm. is not understanding how a business is valued so i guess the obvious question is you know what what is what are the mistakes there and how is a business valued, or how should we think about that
1: I guess we've touched on a lot of these points earlier. It's it's that basic calculation, this, you know, getting this, the the net 12 months net profit and addbacks. you've got your SDE and then times the multiplier, but it's, that's just the top level. That's easy to understand. Believe it or not, some people don't get to that point, but it's what's underneath there. It's this, there's so many factors. There's so many things that uh, make up this multiplier. And there's so many things that you can do if you genuinely focus on SDE in your business over the longer term. It's not a short term game, as I keep saying, that, you know, the sooner you do this stuff, the sooner you think about it and, and get your mindset in place and drive your actions in the business on a daily basis down this path. Imagine it day by day adds up into a massive, massive improvement at the end. guess you know
0: there's a lot of detail and i guess it's it's impossible to put that across in a quick podcast but and we'll talk in a second about your your elite fbx it's program because you're obviously getting some amazing results for people but it sounds like some of it is that the mindset and just driving the sde as your top priority and i guess first of all knowing what it is is a helpful starting point and then knowing what it what it should be or what you want it to be and then then you know (laughs) working on the difference between the two becomes why we go to work each day as opposed to just churning the wheels right it's just a A very self, how can I put this? There's something about the whole selling on Amazon thing that Amazon gets at you, your suppliers, you know, you're uh, telling you that the stuff isn't available. The clients, uh, the customers rather complain about the products or they want to give you a one star review. And we get sucked into a machine and we just end up working in the machine. Don't we forget why we got in there in the first place? I often find... So the last thing I want to talk about is that sales process piece then. So we going not spend too long on that because I think that the main thing you're driving towards and the message I'm getting is like how critical it is to have a plan and then work to a goal. But what, when it comes to the actual sales process, what what are the sort of basic things that people need to know about that? I mean, how, how do we need to build awareness of the sales process
1: into our overall plan? Yeah, so there's a... A, in the train 12 months there's a preparation phase so you prepare your business is really prepared for the sale process itself. And that comes back to having an understanding again of the sale process itself. Once you've got that then you know what you need to do. comes back to having a number of documents in place and ready just to hand straight over to the buyer. It comes back obviously what everyone knows is having the financials in place, having a what I call an Amazon ready PL in place. So the buyer can just pick that PL up and straight away they can read it very well. Let's get less less questioning. And the last one, and this is absolutely critical for you to get the highest value in your business. Again, every business is different. I know I keep talking general terms, and this is because there's so much to this and each business has got a different case. Different businesses can get much higher value from going to different types of buyers. So, depending on what sort of business you've got, what sort of products you get, what you got, what value your business is, depends on what sort of buyer you go to. And again, I see there's regular where you know I advise, I do offer them this advice myself, and I see people going to different buyers and getting hundred thousand pounds extra for the business. And going back to that first example, when I said eight figures, that was because someone came to me and said, look, I've got a quotation uh, here for mid-20s, millions. And I said, no, you need to go to a different type of buyer or send them somewhere else. He ended up getting mid-30s. So it makes an absolute huge difference to the type of buyer that you go to. So don't just get attracted in to the first buyer that contacts you that's
0: really incredible i mean by the way you have so totally done those people's that are lifetime's worth of favors right they should be buying you <laughs> drinks and and you know a place on their yacht for the rest of your life because that's a 10 million quid difference in their back pocket that's not just a revenue figure that amazon gets a piece of and your supplier gets that's their money right that's the actual value they're going to get paid i mean that, that's an extraordinary difference so that's a very dramatic <laughs> example of the fact that the, having a different buyer is just mm. just a Huge thing! That's amazing. Well, look, obviously you've done um, some great work for some clients. I mean, talk about result! That's an extraordinary result. So, tell us a little bit about the Elite FBA Exits Program. If everyone wants to explore working with you, tell, tell us a bit about the program, and then we'll tell people where they can go to check you out a bit
1: more. Yeah, so the program comprises of a uh, seven-module training course, which is all designed around giving you the understandings that we've, we've talked about. So. Given the understanding of what the buyer looks at in your business, so you're able to put together a strategic exit plan. So there's a template in there for a master a template for a, a plan, which I've used in my previous career really successfully. And there's also in there a financial modeling tool, which I built myself over the years of running Amazon business called Amazon Cash Flow, which you can do your financial forecasting you know, and drive your plan from a financial perspective. Putting all that together, you will have a strategic exit plan, which I can do review people's plan with them on a one-to-one basis, offer that as part of the program and make sure they've got the most effective plan and they're committed to achieving it. And then we've got on top of that, of course, there's a Facebook group with all the students in who are on the same journey. And in that group, I get in guest speakers who add in value to everyone's business on a regular basis. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy doing it. I really enjoy helping people and seeing the results that I've been getting for people. And I'm going to continue doing it. I'm still, I've still got my own FBA businesses, which I'm building the background that I'd mentioned but uh, I just love doing this as a a side piece you know it's really helping people and giving some value back to the FBA community that I'm so thankful for for where I got to yeah amazing well it sounds like a definitely worth exploring so if people
0: want to explore working with you I know we've got a, a couple of things uh, that we can offer first of all there's an exit plan checklist which after today's conversation sounds like it's it's really worth checking out yeah. so uh, yeah. we're gonna have a, a little redirect to that so just to be clear if you're listening to the live broadcast or you're watching this on Facebook we'll pop links in the comments afterwards but for those who are listening on uh, the podcast we'll do a little redirect amazing fba.com forward slash exit plan that's amazingfba.com forward slash exit exit plan hopefully that's obvious why we called it that so what is that exit plan checklist consist of what, what can yeah. people expect the, the,
1: the thing about this exit plan checklist is when i first put my exit plan checklist together for my first when i sold my first business there was about seven or eight points on it i thought god there's got to be more to it than this you know and i had obviously the obvious ones like financials and you know preparations and and this exit plan checklist is a 55 point checklist so that's the sort of scale I'm talking about on things that you need to be uh, having an overview that can have an effect on the value of your business. Amazing.
0: <laughs> by the way, you're such an engineer, and I say this in the best, this is the best possible uh, thing to say. I come from a family of engineers, by the way. My my grandfather and my uncle were mechanical engineers, both. Well, one's died now, sadly, and they other's retired. But yeah, the thing about engineers is they're process-driven. And what I love about your work and, being the marketer type focused person that i am we've we've stayed out of a lot of detail, but I can absolutely attest that dave's a meticulous man for process and detail now that doesn't make it easy to market things but I do think that's one of the values you bring and and that's a meticulousness is how you fine tune your business to run like a Swiss watch and be a beautiful thing that's sellable so yeah, I absolutely know that you're going to add value there so I'd really really suggest anyone listening whether you're planning to sell your business or not or you think you're planning to sell go and check out dave's work because it is detailed and detail matters I'm just got to say that one knowing you a bit Dave, as we do we know each other quite well now so the second thing is obviously i know you you offer a call for people tell people about you know w- what is it you you can discuss on the call like that
1: yeah so you know if you're interested in uh, uh, perhaps know more about the program coming on the program just book a call with me and uh, we'll have a chat, chat about your business and I'll uh, see if I can help you to maximize the value of your business. And it's not for yeah. everyone that this by the way. You know, it's mm. I don't work with everyone, not some people aren't suitable for it, but many businesses are and I'm pretty confident that I can help and that's why I like to set the call up just to, to get to know people. Mm. Absolutely. Now, always worth a
0: discussion. I, I just beg my clients I say, who, who even got vaguely sellable. Actually, a lot of my clients have very sellable businesses, but they're not necessarily there yet. And I beg them to go and have conversations with every business broker or every new business buyer who they can to educate themselves. I say, like, don't sign anything yet necessarily unless you're comfortable, but yeah. go have the conversation and then you're another person to add to that armory to educate yeah. yourself as hopefully this podcast has been part of it as well. Absolutely. And just the the mechanics of it, folks, again if you're listening on the podcast, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash exit plan. And then if you are an listening on the the live uh, right now i'll just pop the dave's email into the uh, comments which he's kindly agreed to put out there so please be respectful guys don't get in touch with uh, random newbie questions <laughs> if you actually own a serious business please get in touch so i think that's about all i've got really to, to ask you dave because otherwise we could we could bury ourselves in detail but that's kind of a yeah. point in the end why you run a course because we can't cover all the details in one podcast yeah so my last question to you is is what questions should i have asked you that we haven't covered.
1: Yeah, I just want to pick up on something you've mentioned towards the end. You said that people go, you, you you direct people to brokers and business buyers, speak to as many as possible. Now, think of it like this. Those brokers and buyers want to buy your business off you as quickly as possible. Okay, so they're not going to be giving you the long-term strategic focus actions that can really drive the value in the business. They're not going to say to you, oh yes, uh, John, uh, go and do this and come back in a year's time and your business will be worth this much more. Because the likelihood is that you won't go back to them and that they'll lose the sales. So that's where I come from in a completely different perspective, being an Amazon seller myself and knowing what all these things are. And that's why it's different. Yeah, beautifully put.
0: I think you've articulated your, your unique value, really. And it is pretty unique. I know that there's, you know, Tons of aggregators out there, and they're definitely worth a conversation with. But as you
1: say, with with awareness, they are going to try and sell you pretty hard. They're not going to say, oh, I think uh, you've missed this ad back off. You know, you should should do this first. Yes. No, of course not. No, no, no. So I wouldn't suggest you go and
0: you know, how they say? If you suck with the devil, you should use a long spoon, as my mum used to say. So, I mean, that's a bit harsh. I don't think the aggregators are devils. They just, as you said, quite absolutely accurately, their objective is to make a a quick purchase if your business looks like an attractive proposition and at the lowest multiple possible. So when I say talk to them, I'm not saying... Assume they're your friend. I'm not saying assume they're an enemy either, but they're just a person to educate yourself. But as I said, and to be fair, I say, go talk to them. Don't sign anything. (laughs) To be fair, I do say that thing, but you're absolutely right. They aren't going to think about the longer term. And and you're bang on with that. Actually, that's a very good observation that that really in the end, what you offer is something rather much more, you know, rather more long term and are much more geared to the needs of the, the sellers because you don't have a, a you know, dog in the fight, as it were. You're not trying to persuade them to sell their business next year mm. so, or next month or whatever. So, yeah, good point. Very, very good point. And for that reason alone, I think that you're a very valuable person to listen to. You're offering something fairly unique in the marketplace, actually, and that is yeah. very valuable. So that's why I thought it was important to have you back on the show. Great. Any other last-minute bits of wisdom you would, you would wish to share with the audience?
1: Okay. Yeah, the comment that we've made, start with the end in mind. Okay, If you're not thinking about your exit plan and you're planning to sell your business one day and you haven't got an exit plan in place, then why not? You should have one. You should be thinking about what you need to do to get maximum value because if you're not, come back to what we said, uh, that you won't sell or the value when you do sell won't be as much. So get your exit plan in place now.
0: Excellent. Fine wisdom on which to leave it. Just remains for me to say, Dave, many, many thanks for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom about exit strategy and exits, generally for Amazon businesses. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective Podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimey's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.TheEcommerceLeader.com.